one. Welcome to In the Know. Uh, Mason and I are back recording for the first time in a long time, hoping to be semi-regular. No promises. You know how we are <laughs> for this season, <laughs> but figured we'd get back on the mic. Mason, what's up with you? Uh, not too much, man. Excited for the season to start. Um, I was hyped for even preseason Pelicans basketball, and then I watched the first couple of games and got frustrated and annoyed, and then remembered it's just preseason, and I'm just ready, ready for the games to count again, ready for uh, – some healthy Zion Williamson. Uh, obviously, the team can never be fully healthy, so we've already got some some injuries. But but at least the the main guys are are ready to go, and I'm I'm, I'm amped up. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I basketball season or NBA season specifically uh, is always my favorite time of year. You know, it's when I can finally start tuning into a Twitter timeline that isn't all football. <laughs> so it's a good time for me. Um, I'm excited. Just a, a couple of housekeeping notes before we. We get into the meat of our discussion. So um, we'll be posting these podcasts, uh, both in audio format and video format. You should be able to get the audio where you've been getting them, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. And then the video, uh, we'll have a YouTube channel set up and you guys can tune in there. Uh, the branding and the look of it will probably change as we um, move forward and and kind of explore our, our different platforms that we might want to use. Uh, and which, by the way, if you have any suggestions, we're, we're open to hearing them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to keep y'all um, on the loop or in the loop uh, regarding that stuff in the know, in the know, function- in the know, in the know is going to be in the know, um, not associated with, with anybody. Um, no, uh, no external network that we're going to be a part of. And obviously the one thing it will be associated with is the Substack, which is in, in the know. So make sure you do check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, so welcome, welcome back. Welcome back to another season of Pelicans basketball. Mason, um, let's talk about the preseason first, and then we'll can kind of get into like the regular season and the expectations. So they had four preseason games, not that many, uh, got them, done in a very quick succession they didn't really have much break in between the games and they've had a good bit of time now leading up to the season opener to practice after these any key takeaways uh from you regarding what transpired in the preseason um i'm trying i'm trying to say no just because it is preseason i think um i think they they clearly tried some stuff uh, some stuff worked, some stuff didn't work. I I, I like the way they kind of ended the preseason. It feels like they're, you've noted this, but they're kind of leaning more into po- the points Zion. I think they're going to try to get different players looks on the ball um, to at least to start out. But I, I think this team uh, knows how to, to be at its best, which is, you know, Zion on the ball. Um, not, not really like heliocentric to it, to that degree, but um just, you know, make sure the ball's in his hands as much as possible. Um, and I am curious to see how they, I, I think the most, the thing that I'm most curious to see what they, what they do in the regular season, like kind of looking at the preseason and then to now is how much they lean into small ball. And I know we'll talk about that from uh, your, your awesome, uh, you know, most recent post on your, from your sub stack, but you know, what, what is that going to look like? Um, the different players who can potentially, I mean, it's almost out of, you know, necessity because of the Larry Nance injury to start the year. But, but, you know, what, what is, you know, Herb Jones, EJ, Zion, like, what does that look like in the front court? Because they think they, they did try a few different things in the preseason. Um, and it, it should be, it should be exciting. It should be fast paced, nothing else. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I thought 
I thought your observations are, are pretty much spot on. I, I think in the first couple of games, they wanted to lay the foundation of the system when they weren't really worried about the specifics of like, hey, we were building in sets for Zion, BI, all that stuff. I think Willie Green had a kind of shocking quote after game two, like, oh, I don't really have any sets in for Zion, which was like, what? But Brandon Ingram kind of echoed something similar a few practices later. Like we don't really have many sets in. To, to me, that illuminates more so that, hey, Borrego was brought in. We're going to kind of tweak the system. Let's get the broad strokes down first and then start optimizing things. So I don't really have an issue with that statement. And and I think at the end of the day, they're all aware who their best players are and how they need to uh, distribute some of those touches. Um, the second thing is, you pointed out that we started to see more Zion on the ball as the preseason went on. And I think that is where they have their biggest advantage. He's, he's their best player. And, and I think that can also kind of change the geometry of the court and push them towards the shot profile that they're actually looking for, which is more catch and shoot threes, more corner threes, um, more opportunities for CJ and BI to attack tilted defenses rather than stagnant defenses. And I think, uh, that that's kind of the the goal here. But, you know, they will have to mix in sets where Zion's off the ball to keep things from going stale and, and keep teams from being able to load up in, in the way that they frequently do. And and I'm excited to kind of see that um, moving forward. Let's let's uh, you know, I, I have a couple thoughts on some of the specific players, but really it's it's preseason. So I don't care too much about that. So let's actually like dive right in. Um, to some of the small ball stuff. So when, when media day happened in the next few practices, the idea of Z at the five was really kind of like the topic du jour. Like they wanted to to kind of, first it was like a soft launch and it was like, no, like we're actually going to try this stuff. So when you when you were hearing that buzz, I, what what were you thinking? And like, what are your general thoughts on that? Um, fun, but a little scary. Um, just because... Look, this team. The, the one of the weaknesses you can point out, other than shooting, is is rebounding. Um, I think you've got some guys who, a couple guys who are really good at it, and the rest is kind of aren't good at it. And so when you take out Jonas, for example, uh, you know, from, from from the lineup, who everyone kind of when you think about who's at their Zion at the four, he's already kind of an okay defender or, or sorry rebounder. Zion at the five is probably not a good rebounder at all, comparatively speaking. And so when you slide everyone down a spot, you you just accentuate that weakness. And so that's the risk, obviously, that the 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 what you need to be able to do, and, and what you know, you've very seriously talked about is just crash, 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 crash on the offensive end and score. And that way defense gets a little bit easier. And then hopefully, you know, when you're set, you know, the 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 other the the defensive rebounding issues are at least they're not alleviated, but they are somewhat minimized. And so um, I think that's the concern, but but and the, the additional concerns around well, if you have small ball pace and space, do you have enough spacing, <laughs> especially with Trey Murphy out? That's another concern. Um, so do you have the personnel to really maximize this? Um, but regardless, I think when anyone hears small ball and with Zion at the five, it, you know, a bunch of guys who are really real athletes and versatile, it it gets it, it it is pretty exciting to think about what that could look like. Yeah, I think I think Z at the five is like the the hollywood branding of it where like if you whereas if you look under the hood of what's actually transpiring in those lineups it's it's her it's her bet the five and and so again it's just to kind of bring up those concerns with with z with regards to rebounding and 
um, just defense in in general. Not that Herb's an amazing rebounder. He's just a lot more gifted defensively. Uh, and so I think the couple things you brought up is typically when, when teams go small, they're trying to sacrifice size in favor of getting more shooting on the court. And I don't think the Pelicans, without Trey Murphy, are actually accomplishing that in a meaningful way. They're not really getting more offense on the court, which is going to be an interesting challenge moving forward. The second thing is the Pelicans are kind of using this time, from my understanding, to figure out if, um, obviously, you know, Larry at the five is going to be a little bit different, but it's the same concept, is if they can find a configuration that can run opponent bigs off the court. If if the opponents are able to just plant their big on Larry, um, you've kind of mitigated your advantage in going small, right? Uh, you, you haven't ran a big off the court. You're going to get killed on the glass. Um, you haven't really opened the paint up uh, for, for, for Z. And, um, you know, the idea is you just went small to get your best defenders on the court, which is worked out for the Pelicans, surprisingly. Um, you know, I'm not a big believer in it long-term, but the Larry and Zion units were pretty dominant when, when they did play together. Um, same concept with Herb. Can Herb at the five, quote unquote, uh, be a person that can run bigs off the court, right? That That is the ultimate goal for those Zion constructions is it's you don't you want the big to be forced to guard Zion and everyone else to have enough shooting, dribbling, passing, whatever it is um, to make it literally impossible to defend so it's death by a thousand cuts and you know there's hardly any bigs in the league capable of staying with zion especially on a spaced out floor so that's what they're i think looking to find out is do they have that on the roster which i don't think they do but i'm curious if you feel differently no i mean i think the big question is what does what does herb jones force the defense to do that larry nance doesn't and I don't have a good answer to that question. I mean, why can't why can't a defense just plant that they're big on Herb Jones and and live with it? And so that, that I think that's kind of what you're getting at is they don't have someone to force the uncomfortable matchups at this point. And so well, it does you give, give you versatility, switchability on defense. It allows you to kind of be more flexible in that regard. You're giving up size, and so is that trade off worth it if you're not truly generating matchup uh, matchup advantages on offense? Yeah, I think. The one thing they see with Herb is he has a little more on ball equity than than Larry. Sure. Um yep. and and so can you put him in situations where he's the ball handler, he's the screener, that kind of stuff, right? Can you can you get the big that they're hiding on Herb involved in ball screens um and adequately spaced out for? Can you do that? Uh I think those are all good ideas, but at the end of the day, if the offense is moving away from the ball in Zion's hands, the ball in Brandon's hands, the ball even in CJ's hands to the ball in Herb's hands. The defense has already won. Like you already won that battle. Uh, so I, I applaud the Pelicans for exploring the nature of that. I think that's something they want to do is put the ball in their non-shooters hands a little more to lift the offense, pressure the defense. And I think over the course of the regular season, that's a necessary thing and something that will ultimately end up helping them. I don't, I'm I'm a little dubious on its playoff viability. Um, so I guess the question then becomes is, okay, if you, if this is the kind of style you want to play, then should, you know, everyone's talked about upgrading the center position and, and, you know, maybe JV can be moved out for whatever. 
And is it worth investing assets in yet another center who may not be able to shoot, may not be able to play that switch style, or should they just kind of keep the powder keg dry and get a super herb, super Larry, like a forward who can legitimately play that position, offer you the spacing, offer you the the shooting and, and all the above. Sounds nice. Find, find me that dude. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is the this is the quintessential problem we've talked about off and on since Zion became a Pelican, right? Is who is the right front court partner for him? And it's a really hard question to answer. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think I think there's a few things, right? So I think there's like I think the super version, the kind of like the what 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 made this proposition attractive last year was the OG Ananobi trade, right? So getting getting OG who is who's got good size, who has experience playing small ball five, can shoot, can dribble, is, is an offensive threat, a credible offensive threat. Um, you know, if you if you were to roll out a unit that featured CJ, Trey, BI, Zion, and OG, like that would be a pretty devastating unit. And I think at that point, you're, you're kind of like in the future looking to upgrade the CJ position because that would be your kind of weakest one in terms of defense. Um, but that'd be pretty, pretty devastating offensively. The second thing is, you know, there's another guy on that team, Pascal Siakam, who makes a lot more money. He's on an expiring contract, wants a lot more money. Um, again, he's like the super Larry, right? He's the super version of what Larry gives you in almost every sense. So, like, is that a route that they want to go down? Is that a route you would be comfortable going down? Um, again, this would to get that trade done, they would probably have to involve CJ. So, like, you're trading out one of your big salary pieces for another big salary piece. I love the season. I didn't even start yet. We're already talking about trades and how to get, how to make this team better. Uh, but I mean, yeah, but the, the other, the other issue here is, you know, you are, if you, if you make that deal, you're, you are in the tax. There is no way around it, especially, I mean, cause you're not trading for Pascal to rent him for a year. Right. And so then it's, it's the BI uh, Pascal and Zion show, unless, unless you're looking at flipping BI, which I mean, future discussion, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like if the Pelicans are, are, are up for it, uh, I got a lot of uh, shit on Twitter from Saints fans uh, for making a joke about paying Derek Carr and not paying the taxes. If I can like, cause I'm conflating football and, and basketball, but let's go, let's dive right in. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's interesting the way my understanding with, with how the Pelicans are approaching it, um it's it's twofold firstly i guess like let's talk about siakam specifically i don't think they're the biggest fans of siakam um and 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 i don't think you know with when how that like the contract situation is going to play out that's that's something that they want to get into at the moment um secondly i think they are keenly aware at this moment in order to win the west they need to go through nikola Jokic. And in order to go through Nikola Jokic, I think they're keenly aware that they need the types of players that can defend Nikola Jokic. Now, first of all, who who are those guys? I don't think they exist, right? Like, I don't even know. That. I don't think they exist. But like, I think the the intention here is that like he guys AD. that can... like what do you what do you do? Like, and I, I we give a, this is the AD Slander podcast more than anything. But like, AD is an incredible defender, and he got cooked. And so like, yeah, who who is that guy? Right. Who, who is that guy? So, so I think there's, there's that a little bit of that question is like, you know, do you build, 
to combat your rivals or do you force your rivals to match up with you? Right. Um, I think that's a decision that the team is going to have to make. And, and so can you make it so you're seeding, you know, are you going to seed the size advantage to Jokic and the Nuggets who are huge, by the way, MPJ 610, like Aaron Gordon, 68, like they're, they're not small in the front court. Um, you know, are you going to seed the size advantage to just try to outscore them? Or do you feel like you can have an equivalently good offense while being able to employ a big who can both start and close and credibly give you, you know, 35 minutes against Jokic um, when you need him the most. And then you kind of have your small ball button, your turbo button in your back pocket for when you need it against other teams. So like, I, I don't know the right answer to that. Right. If you like, let's take, for example, if you really believed in Jared Allen as a type of big that was able to defend um, Jokic for without fouling out, you know, for, for 30, 35 minutes, then, how do you get enough offense on the court to match what the Nuggets are doing? I mean, the other four guys have to be able to shoot. That's for starters. <laughs> Three guys, because Zion's going to be on the court. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Right. So and and so, I don't I don't know if there's a right answer to that. I'm curious to see how they tackle this philosophical problem. But as of now. Uh, I do think they and like pretty much every other team in the West looks as the Nuggets as the team to get through. And they're going to have to decide how they want to get through that team, uh, which is a little bit exciting um, in some regards, because I feel like, you know, it's not of a, hey, like we're going to make the playoffs or we might make the playoffs. They're looking at it from a we want to get through the Nuggets at some point. So like that's they're actually viewing it from like we're trying to win standpoint, which is which is good, which is encouraging. Which is like you might say, hey, Schmidt, that's what they're paid to do. They should be thinking of it in that regard all the time. But you know, it's not really um, it's not really a thing that happens on all teams. Uh, yeah. And and you you kind of see that. But I I I don't know. I don't know if there's a super forward out there at the moment that that can really swing um, the balance. But I wouldn't be opposed yeah. to them making that if type can, of deal yeah if we can uh get like seven years younger al horford um that's a guy we talked about a lot <laughs> as as kind of that that tweener who, who who's a really good defender uh and also can can shoot a little so um yeah it's 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 really tough to find that that right guy um and we've yeah again been talking about it for 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 a while now and so and but like to your point like if it is alan you know, what other roster construction or the, I don't know, I don't want to say it's Jared Allen, but like if it's a player like him, what are the roster construction implications does that have? And, and there are some. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's why I, that's what, that's what the front office has to figure out. I guess well, we, we need a healthy Zion for a prolonged period first, but yeah. <laughs> there's, there's two big implications for a guy like Allen. One, I think the theory is it gives Willie Green and his staff a more comfort to play Trey Murphy at the starting position, even though I think that should be a no brainer decision, regardless of who the big is. But like, that's, that's number one. If you have a non shooting big and a non, like he's a non creating big, like JV can create for himself a little, like you can throw the ball to him and he can kind of make stuff happen. Allen's got to be fed like pretty much exclusively. Um, so if you have that kind of big, who's going to be primarily like a high screen roll guy or a dunker spot guy, then you need shooting, as you mentioned. You need shooting. You can't start Herb there. You just can't. Like if you start Herb yeah. Z and, and Allen, it's it's gonna be a bad time. Um, so if you can't start it's, Herb, it's Bledsoe, it... Adams, and Zion all over again. Oh my gosh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and if you can't start Herb, then it makes him a little bit less valuable. 
because if 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 Jared is closing games, then Herb's probably not closing games. So like his minutes are probably coming down from 34, 35 to what in the 20s, right? It and if you're bringing Herb off the bench, it makes Dyson less valuable because he's also coming off the bench. And do you bring both of them off the bench together? Like is this is that a unit that you're comfortable playing? So it just it creates a lot of problems um from that regard, which I don't think are the worst problems, right? Because like you could easily include one of those two guys in the deal to go get Allen and you're kind of, you know, taken from one, putting in the other uh type of situation. Yeah. Um, but a lot of problems are caused by the fact that none of the Pelicans' main guys are credible defensively. <laughs> so if you can't you know, they have to jump through hoops to try to get defenders on the court because you can't put Z on a guy and expect them to stop him, right? You can't put B.I. on a guy and expect them to get stops. You can't put C.J. on a guy and expect them to get stops. You can't put, at least not yet, you haven't been able to put Trey on a guy and expect him to get stops. So it's just like they've, they're have they in a situation where you're going to get offense on the court. You're going to have to rely on fundamentally sound team defense, which I think they're capable of that functions on the back i think right which functions on the back of a good offense right they 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 score a lot they're able to get in half court and then you know half court is just a better more efficient defensively than any other kind of setting so but the other aspect is okay like they need stoppers and but those none of their stoppers can are, are credible offensively so they're just in a weird roster building spot and in my opinion only in that spot because of their main guys yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. And look, credit to the coaching staff or no, credit to the front office for, I think this is the fact that they gave her the extension now is pretty massive and gives them more flexibility. And I know that they can't trade him for a certain period of time. I'm not saying that's, that's the lever they should pull immediately, but it makes him an asset that's under that's cost controlled and you know, a, a good player on a good contract. And so I think if they've got to make them or they want to make a move and they want to, like you said, shift around, uh, you know, a, a skill sets and positionally, uh, so to speak, they have the ability to do that based on, you know, her, it's not her Jones is an expiring who's about to hit the market, right? He, he's a contract that is, is valuable and can be a nice piece in a, in a deal. If you're trying to kind of shake up the, the construction of the roster. Yeah. Look, I, I think, I've always thought this is a pivotal year moving forward with regards to the BI and Zion duo um, with regards to who's going to retain their job if this season goes sideways. Um, BI is up for an extension. He is up for one now, but you know he's not going to take the one this year. He's, he's up for an extension next year for all intents and purposes. Um, and what he's betting on or not betting on what he's attempting to do is secure an all NBA spot. If he secures all NBA spot, he'll be eligible for a 35% max contract. What that number is going to look like is very similar to what the Jalen Brown number looks like, which is a $304 million extension. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit more because it kicks in a year later, but that's the idea of it. That, that's the broad strokes. That's what Brandon Ingram wants to accomplish. I think if Brandon Ingram is a legitimate all NBA player uh, beats out several big names, you know, legitimize himself as a top 12, top 15 guy in the league. And I think that's, that's a player probably worth paying for. I think if Raynard Ingram 
reaches all NBA because he played 67 games and Paul George played 55 and Kawhi played 50 and LeBron played 60 and you know, you get the idea, then that's not a, a number I'm comfortable paying him at all. Um, the other thing is with two years left on his contract at the deadline to be about a year and a half. That is kind of the pivotal point. I'm like, if you want to move him, that is where maximum value lies. Like him on an expiring trying to move in the summer is a difficult move because unless he agrees, like, you know, I have a list of destinations, I will just re-up with them. Um, but teams will always use that against you in a negotiation. It is easier to do so midseason. I mean, the, the peak time in the movement was this previous draft. If and then obviously they 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 chose not to do that and and they believe in him. Um but at the deadline is probably the next best time if they decide they want to move on. What would the threshold need to be for you to decide to make that move midseason? For a guy that they have very clearly invested in and by all intents, you know, by 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 all accounts, um, want to continue to invest in. What? That's, so how good does BI have to be for me to just say, I don't want to trade him, I want to extend him? Is that the question? It, it, yeah, in a sense. Or, you know, what 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 has to go, what has to happen this season for you to be like, I he needs to move on this deadline? Or like what needs to be available to market? Um, I, I think first and foremost, to, for, for me, thinking about BI specifically, it comes down to team success. I feel like we know, we know what his abilities are as a, as a scorer, as a secondary facilitator. Um, I think we, I, I don't expect to see just a, a massive leap this season from last season, but what I would want to see is. I want to see team success and whether with or without Zion. And I think the without part is, is, is pretty important because last year that didn't happen. Zion was, you know, Zion was hurt and the team was not good. Um, and if the BI is truly that guy, who's going to be an all NBA threat, the team wouldn't be bad with Zion out and the rest of the team. Like, cause, cause that the roster, it isn't without Zion. It's not good. It's not great. But like if, if BI is that good, he should be able to keep keep the team afloat, and that couldn't happen last year. Um, of course, Zion never came back, but the hope was that you know they're still afloat, they're still you know doing well without him. Um, so that's what it really comes down to: can he make the team better um, versus just you know keeping up his own scoring averages? Um, and so, if I see that, if I see improved improved record in games without Zion, or just the team kicks ass with Zion with him and Zion together, that's the that's the barometer for me. Um, I don't really know. I haven't really thought as much about like if who comes available, like who would I pull the trigger for? It's a good question, but that's what I'm thinking about when I think about BI because he's he's been able to get his. He's he's had great isolation scoring numbers. Like I'm not worried about that with him, but it hasn't translated to wins without Zion. Yeah, I think for me, like I don't know if this is a fair litmus test, but he would have to be a bona fide all-star. So like I, the trade deadline happens prior to um, the all-star break. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a window where you don't know, or, you know, re- regards to if he's an all-star 
But if he is not an all-star this season, I just don't know how you can justify paying him 30% uh, as a max contract player, which is, again, you know, it, it might be unfair, but to me, like, I need to see that kind of establishment. Like, you are unquestioned, unquestionably that guy, rather than, hey, you know, you have an impact of a top 50 player, but you want to get paid like a top 25 player, you know? Um yeah. And and so, yeah, I think the all-star is a threshold for me. And I think we should know by the time the trade deadline comes around if he is yeah, we should. In, in those talks. Because if it's just like, a, oh, he's having a pretty good season and the Pelicans are pretty good, but I don't know, then I would want to – I would want to try to find the guard or the big – um that was going to be around for like the next three to four years with his salary, because I think there's duplicity on the wing spot. You can kind of slide Trey in. Um, not saying Trey's as good as Brandon Ingram. Do not mistake that. I think you just kind of shuffle around the shots and rolls for people. Um, if you can get, man, like this is, this is going to sound crazy, but like, you know, if you go to Brooklyn and they offer you, Cam uh Cam Johnson, the shooter, not the the LSU guard. Um, Cam Johnson, Claxon, and some picks. Like, I feel like your ceiling probably gets lower because none of those guys have a ceiling that BI does, but your floor is probably higher because you got your big that that Willie would play. You got Trey 2.0. You could play two trays. Um, and then you have more assets to then use to go get your guard of the future. Um, something, something like that. Like then I'd be looking to move CJ and all of the picks to like get the franchise guard who should probably be like a number two type, um, option, right? Like a number, number two, number three. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like concrete there. Cause you're going to have enough shooting on the court, but it'd be cool to go get a franchise guard with that. I, I don't know if any of this is reasonable, but my threshold would be, he's got to be an all-star. And if he's not, then I'm looking to get better fitting pieces that allow some of the other Pelicans pieces to fit better and, and allow you to stop investing assets in, in positional needs that you may invest otherwise. That's kind of like what I'd be looking at. Yeah. And I feel like it's important, again, to caveat the fact that you're not you're not saying do this now. You're saying we, we need more data for this season and to see who, who Bernard Ingram is. Um, and if he's not that guy, then, you know, what trade are you looking at? Cause I think the hope is that he is, he is that all-star and, and look, they, they've got, they've got this group together in this team, this, these guys who we've long awaited to see how they play together, actually pretty damn good when they play together. And so, um, like you, like you said, to start off a lot, a lot riding on the season. Yeah. And, and of course, to your point where you said, if they just are like first seed in the West, then and first of all, if they're, if they're like, you know, a top three seed, like. B.I. is probably getting that all-star spot just just out of uh, respect for the team's wins. Um, but if they're winning at a high level, then and I don't really care at that point, right? Like at that point, you you kind of you keep the, you keep the guys intact and see how far you can go. Like I think I'm I'm a proponent of that. But it's just so like if the team is like questionable or if the team is like solid but not great, um, you know, if the team is great without him, but solid with him, if it's one of those situations, uh, then you're you're kind of looking at that, which is like, what's the case last year? They were gr- great without him, solid to 
with it with him um not so great without zion samples were too small hopefully the samples are bigger this year that allow him to make a decision um spent too much time on this bi stuff already let's move forward to the other guys zion what need what do you need to see from him to ensure continued investment in him they got there's lots of reports on you know they were entertaining moving him this past summer obviously didn't um I, again, if it's not VI, it's Z. If things don't go well, I do think they break up the duo. So, like, what needs? What do you need to see from him uh, to where you're like, I'm locked in, I'm bought in on on Z. I, for better or for worse, I already am. Regardless, I think it's 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 an abusive relationship at this point. But at the same time, just like I, I do think. Basically, what it comes down to is the value you'll get if Zion gets hurt again or something happens, the value you get for Zion is like nothing, right? Or, or, or not much. And so I feel like based on where the Pelicans are, their their situation, they've just got to they've got to keep riding it. I that's kind of where I'm at. They've just got to keep riding it and hope for the best. Um I I don't I I don't know. That that's where I'm at. Cause like it it does come down to help. I mean, he's been dominant whenever he's been out there. We just haven't seen it for long enough stretches. I, I really think, like, uh, I, I, the the value that they'll get for Zion in a trade if he if he gets hurt again, it just makes it not even worth it, and you just got to kind of roll roll it back, so to speak. And so, uh, that's for better or for worse. That's where I am. To me, the threshold with Z is not dissimilar to the one with Brandon. I don't think it's like an outcome. Like, I think Z is more than capable of making. Uh, an all-star has been a starter already for twice because he's been that good. But uh, my threshold with Z is behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, if if he shows no commitment on his part behind the scenes, uh, you know, for for an improvement on his body, improvement on his diet, improvement on his routine, all that kind of stuff. If he shows a lot of the previous habits um that he's had if he's you know ghosting team members ghosting um skipping out on stuff um that kind of behavior if if that resurfaces or is prevalent um in a big way but he's healthy i would be okay on moving up on from him again it'd be one of those situations where if he's healthy the team's probably doing good so it's a difficult decision to make but i would say that that is not a worthwhile long-term bet and they should capitalize on his health and find an answer elsewhere. Um, And, and so I don't know what they would be able to get out of him, but uh, yeah, I I don't know what the market would look like. I don't, it's a little bit less clear for me and what I would want in terms of a return than, than, than BI. But I would think, I would say my answer is relatively similar. I'd want either like the, the franchise big or, you know, the franchise guard, something, approximating that but i wouldn't mind if they got like a bunch of wings and a bunch of picks like things could be worse there but um but yeah i think it'd be easier to kind of allocate one of you know allocate resources towards the big or the guard position preferably the guard because i think guards are more valuable than bigs i'd want creation yeah so you kind of want the exact opposite direction in that you know if if he's healthy and things still aren't aren't what you want to see, yeah, I mean that that see that to me is is interesting because at, if he's got value value that's worth moving, 
Okay. Now, now, now I'm at least in, interested. Um, obviously, if hope the hope is that he's doing the right things and you want to keep him on this team forever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can totally see where you're coming from. Like if Houston offers you, let's say they decide like, all right, we're going to build around Jalen green. We're going to build around. Amon Thompson. Um, shit, dude, if you get Amon Thompson out of Houston, that's, that's a big one for me. But like, if they offered you like Jabari Smith, Shingoon, um, picks, like, I'd probably do it if if Zion continued to show behind the scenes that he just wasn't with it. He wasn't bought it. Like I would I'd be like, whatever, let, let that be Houston's problem. Um, which would suck because like obviously a divisional rival, if he figures it out and all that kind of stuff. But you know your um, your divisional opponents would have Wemby, Luca, Ja, ja. and Zion. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, that's what I that's where I want to be. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, like I, I think at that point, like I would be okay with that, right? I, I, Detroit would be another place I'd look at, you know, for them to kind of like make a move. Like if you can, thing is like, I guess you can you can figure out shooting issues a lot more when when Zion's not on your team, right? You can kind of be more creative with it. But like if they offered you like Durin or Asar um, and stuff like that, like that would be intriguing to me. Um, can't really think of other. I mean, like Brooklyn would be the destination. I don't know if Brooklyn is ready for for that kind of stuff. Um, but if Brooklyn offered you, and again, I'm not saying, uh, yeah, if they offered you a similar, like Cam, you know, Cam and, and, and Claxton and that, and that kind of stuff, but they would probably have to send Ben Simmons somewhere else. Uh, I don't know. It's tough for me to figure out Zion destinations, but if that is what he showed you behind the scenes, I, it would not matter. Like the return would not matter all that much to me. I would just want really solid pieces and some, some good assets. Would be pretty hilarious if you end up going to the other New York team after all that. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, I bet. I bet yeah, Toronto is... would do it. So if to- Toronto, off, I mean, I don't know. Would they? They didn't go for Dane. They didn't go for. Uh, they didn't go for Kevin Durant. But yeah, if you did like a. I I wouldn't mind like a Siakam and picks for Z. Like that would be kind of sick. This is the quintessential Pelican fan experience right now. Where it's not like like the season starts this week, and we're talking about what scenarios for trading the two the two best players in the team. Um, yeah, it, it is. Unfortunately, this is like you know after five. This is the fifth year, fifth year for both those guys um, okay. on this team, and they have fuck all to show for it. They yeah. have one first round loss, which Zion didn't even play in, two playoff wins. Um, that's it. They have nothing to show for it. And so you're coming up on big contractual decisions. The CBA has changed to where those contractual decisions in this market are matter a lot more than, you know, a market where Bomber's like, whatever, I, I don't care about the second apron. Um, or Matt Ishby is like, whatever, I don't care about the second apron. Um, it matters for for building a team here. That's why I was super in on the scoot stuff and why, like, you know, even though I would have preferred to move B.I., I was ultimately I was like, if they decide Z's the guy to move, then whatever. Because it, it just it's so difficult to build something sustainable here when you have two guys who just can't get on the court. And yep. and when they're on the court, there's other stuff going on that make it challenging to build around. So it's just like this is it. This You got to both of y'all got to be good this year. Otherwise, I just don't know how you can keep going down this road. I hear uh, that being said, I feel like we've been kind of negative, kind of had a a negative uh, overlook on them, probably because we've been jaded for years from years of covering this team. 
I yes. have seen I have seen a lot of like stuff on Twitter where people like are just ranking the Pelicans super low. And I saw someone rank the Rockets higher than them. And I was like, okay, I think I need like I think if the needle is swung too far in the other direction. Cause I would say like even amongst Pelicans fans right now, I am more optimistic than most because they won 42 games in a season where their big three played 10 collective games together. In a season where Zion played 29 games in a season where BI missed a two and a half month stretch um, in the middle of the season. So like, I think there is a lot of room for improvement there. Now, do I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be like a 60 win team, but I just, this is a fairly resourceful and resilient team with, with how many injuries that they've had and they managed to stay afloat. Was it pretty? Absolutely not. But like 42 wins is 42 wins. Like to, to see a backslide on that would, to me, mean something catastrophically had to go wrong, which is not outside the realm of possibilities. But, yeah. you know, I, I just I just feel like they're not being given enough credit for what they were able to do. Yeah, no, that, that is fair. I mean, they, they I mean they they created they gave themselves some wiggle room, honestly, with the start of the season. I mean, they, they through that you know through the new year until we got hit twenty twenty three, they were right around top of the West, and so, um, you know, it, it is a good point you bring up, and and they you know. They've got the, 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 I I don't see, I guess I I looked down the roster and I was like, we did, we had this discussion last year. Who do we expect to get worse? I mean, and and so I think I, we hit like, because the team was so young, you know, there's not a lot of guys you're going to say age regression. So like, what do you, and and, you know, there's, you know, Herb Jones, like will teams start to figure him out and I, and kind of let him shoot and does that reduce his, his value on the floor. But I kind of similar line of thought, like I, I would say CJ, but at the same time, CJ played the second half of the season injured. And so I don't expect to see a worse version of CJ this year. Even if there is a slight age regression, it's going to contra- it's going to counterbalance with the fact that he's going to be healthy. And so, I mean, the, I, I don't look at anyone on the roster and then they didn't lose anyone of, of real consequence and they, and, and no one on the team, what I would expect to progress because Jonas's role was kind of re- was reduced last year. And so I don't even again, if, if he's, you know, big men tend to age a little more quickly, especially bigs who are as physical as Jonas, but he was awesome for Lithuania. And so like, maybe that's, maybe that's concerned that he played a lot over the off season, but there isn't, there aren't a lot of, you know, players I can point to on the Pelicans and say, yeah, he's probably gonna take a step back this year. Um, I, so, I would say that those are the two big targets you hit, CJ and, and JB. Yeah. Uh, and Larry, I don't think it's, it's out of the question that Larry is not the same guy sure. either. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit more pessimistic on that front, but um, I do think you could see a year where CJ's small guard problems start to show themselves in a way that they haven't in the past. Yeah. But I think it can be mitigated if he takes on a different role, which is take more volume threes, be more of a catch and shoot guy, be more of an off ball guy, which if everyone stays healthy, he can't, right? If, everyone doesn't it gets it gets dicey um same thing with larry honestly like i think larry's like such a smart player and and such an important part of what they do i just wish i could say i have faith in him staying healthy but what he's being asked to do at his size is just not very sustainable for a long time it's it's he has to defend so many bigger players um and it's such a big responsibility and I think they they would be wise to manage his minutes in over the course of the season, which again, if they are healthy, they're able to do. And if they're not healthy, then they just run these guys to the ground. So those are the three big guys. 
um, it's concerning, but I expect enough improvement from Trey, you know, from, from Dyson, from some of these other guys to, to offset Kyra, a lot maybe. of that. Yeah. 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 Kyra even to, to get offset. A new play. You know? we, yeah. Which is to get a new player too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. And and look, another good reason to lean into the, some of the small ball stuff early on is to figure out how do you reduce Larry Nance's workload? Um, it's by playing a little bit more small. Or giving Jonas a few minutes back from last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always uh, finals role player Cody Zeller to, to take those minutes, which, yeah. honestly, if the Zeller minutes are better than the Jackson minutes, it's it'll be a win. Yeah. And and, and Matt Ryan, too, now, right? <laughs> Newest Matt Ryan, baby. Love that. Have a shooter. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't expect any of, like, I don't expect like EJ to be a part of the rotation. I don't expect Hawkins to be a part of part of the rotation. Although Hawk's probably going to get some run early, right before minutes tighten up. Um, but you know, I, I, when they're trying to win, certainly I don't I don't expect those guys to be a part of the rotation. And um, yeah, I do think they are going to make a trade. Uh, it's probably going to be JV and Kyra for some center. And it'll be interesting to see what they do after that because they know they need shooting. They know they need rim protection. And those are two things they said they were going to address in the offseason and they addressed zero of them. And um, and again, I want to emphasize drafting Jordan Hawkins does not count as addressing one of those needs. Um, but they addressed zero of them. So I think they will continue to try to address them. Um. Totally random aside. I, I was looking. I was looking at Matt Ryan's stats because, like, everyone's like shooter, shooter. It's like, okay, does the do numbers actually bear that out? Like, yes, they do. He's a he's forever volume. He's career thirty seven percent three point shooter, getting up nine, like basically 10, 10 threes per thirty six, which is exactly the kind of shit that the Pelicans need. But I just laughed at it. Like, I was looking at the first thirty six numbers on Basketball Reference. His rookie year, he shot thirty six threes per thirty six minutes. He played. He played five minutes and shot five threes. That was a season. <laughs> start Pelicans him. Start it, him man. tomorrow. Take, are you kidding? <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's good for a game winner or two to to offset what he uh, did to the Pels yeah. last year. Um, any any final big, a big game in hindsight <laughs> when you think oh. about the the, the play in uh, huge season, game. You know, yeah. are you any final predictions for this season? It's like people, people ask me about like the, uh, that like, all right. Oh, our front are my friends. Like over under you going over under the Pelicans win. I was like, I have no idea, man. It's like, it's this, it's every, this the year is exactly the same thing every year. It's like, if these teams healthy, they've shown they can be a 51 team, but they're never healthy. And so are they healthy this year? Um, what's that? Are they healthy this year? Yes. No. Uh, who? <laughs> the, the team in collective. <laughs> Um, more so than, than prior years. I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bullish on that. I'm, it feels like they've made it the right investments. They, or at least they're, you know, they're, they're making changes where they need to make changes and they're, they're talking the talk, which they always do. But, um, I don't expect like suddenly the team to be the, the Sacramento Kings of last year in terms of health, but, um, you know, I, I am optimistic about a healthier season this year. Rapid fire over under 60 games played for Z. Um, under over under 65 games played for Brandon Ingram all NBA uh, threshold over over okay uh all right well that, that's that's it that's it okay Un- under yeah, 60 for Z. 
Yeah, like you said earlier, Vienna has got a ton of incentive to be out on the floor right uh, this season. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think I don't think I don't think he's going to let um, my, minor injuries hold him back this year. Um, but uh, but yeah, Z Z, I think I'm hoping that he gets right around what you were saying in 60 games, but um, he's got to prove it. Cool. Well, if they were to get 59 games of Z and uh, 66 games of Brandon, that should be a much better season than than last. And uh, I'm glad we, we were able so. to finally uh, get back in front of the mic. Hopefully we yeah. are have a lot more fun things to talk about than the, the doom and gloom trade stuff of their big players. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for the season to kick off. Let's um, we didn't really talk about Memphis, but uh, I, I feel pretty good about this with, with, with Steven Adams being out and, and no John Morant. Let let Jonas eat, man. I'm I'm thinking about the um the game I went to the the the, the Pistons Pelicans game last year where they waited and waited and waited to just like let Jonas cook Orleans Noel alive. Um, and so just like go to go to the bigs and let's go play go get ja- let's Jaron Jackson goes. in foul trouble any way shape. Yeah, he, he'll he will do it. He wants to foul. You. What do you want to wants do? To- yeah. So just just let him do what he wants to do, and uh, it'll be a good time. Anyways, Mason, good yeah. good catching up with you, and uh, I yeah, will you too, hit man. you up later. Sounds good. Bye, guys.